Welcome to the MLB Trade Rumors Podcast. We're two weeks into the season. Are we at that point where you can start to read into a team's start? I'm sure the Tampa Bay Rays would like to think so. The St. Louis Cardinals, perhaps less so. Simon Hampton here, MLB Trade Rumors Steve Adams in the on-deck circle to join me shortly as we get set to bring you your weekly dose of baseball news, analysis and insight. Of course, you can get that 24-7 as well at MLBTradeRumors.com, but also in your inbox Monday through Friday by subscribing to the MLB Trade Rumors newsletter. Every weekday morning, Cliff Corcoran tells you what you need to know from the world of baseball straight to your inbox. It's free, and you can sign up at MLBTradeRumors.com forward slash newsletter. All right, let's get into it now. And joining me is Steve Adams, as I mentioned, from MLB Trade Rumors. Steve, thanks for coming on. Uh, you and I, we, we watch a lot of baseball, and we're, we're watching the, the Tampa Bay Rays team. Uh, recording this on a Tuesday night just before they play the Red Sox, of course. 10-0, are they ever going to lose? Yeah, I think this might just be the first 162 and 0 that we'll ever see, yeah. you know. Um <laughs> it it feels like it with kind of the way that they've uh they've dominated. It's 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 pretty remarkable that they've not only gone, you know, 162 and 0, but that, you know, yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday, like you said, but yesterday was the first time they even had a, a save situation all season for Pete Fairbanks. Um it's been a a dominant, crazy start to their season. It's been a lot of fun to watch so far. Yeah, it's been nice to have this sort of storyline, hasn't it? Uh, a team sort of going on this run. Often we see it, you know, a team will go, yeah, maybe they sweep the first series and, and win the first game of the second series and you hear the 162-0 jokes. But, you know, 10-0, we don't see that too often. So uh, it's it's pretty cool. But I think this warrants kind of deeper discussion on the Rays uh, generally because I look at what they've done so far as well. Won their first 10 in a row, of course. They've scored the most runs in the big leagues by far they've conceded the fewest also by far uh, they've got Taj Bradley the top pitching prospect on the way up to make his debut Wednesday so there's there's more help on the way there's a lot to like about this Rays team yeah there is and it's I, I kind of touched on this in my my chat on the the website today with readers but you can make light of the fact that okay it's it's 10 and 0 we joke about 162 and 0 obviously course that's not going to happen and, and they, they can't sustain anything near the current pace that they have but those 10 wins are already banked like they can they can play 500 baseball for the rest of the season right now yeah. and still finish as an 86 win team and in a 12 team playoff format like that's already a borderline you know playoff team right there so Fangraphs has their playoff odds right now at 91.1 percent the second highest of any team in baseball only the Braves are higher wow. um and I think you can even, you know, question that and say that the, the Rays probably deserve to be higher right now based based on uh, the, the start. But the, if they play slightly above 500 baseball the rest of the season, they're going to be a 90 win team. It, it's early to say that they've effectively punched their ticket to the postseason, but they've put themselves kind of in overwhelmingly favorable position to get there. You can't take away these 10 wins and you can't say, well, oh, because they had this this 10 10 game winning streak that they'll, you know, they're, they're due for it to average out and they'll have some, you know, stretch where they lose 12 or 14 games. It's a good team with a really deep roster, a really good pitching staff. Um, And I think one of the bigger surprises has just been, we expected the pitching to be good. The, the lineup though looked Mm -hmm. a lot more questionable and there's probably some regression coming there, but you've had some, 
pretty good showings from, I think, a lot of guys that maybe a lot of fans, even Rays fans, might not have expected. I don't think we expected the the lineup to kind of just be bludgeoning opponents to the to the degree that it has so far. Have the Rays, this team that so often turn pitches we've never heard of into pitches we have heard of very quickly and out of nowhere, <laughs> turned into a team that now does the same with hitters? I mean, I think they've kind of done some of that, you know, for a while uh, to an extent. But it, like this, this group is it's pretty remarkable when you look at it. There's so many castoffs um, throughout, and I don't think all of Harold Ramirez and Luke Rayleigh and Jose Siri and Isaac Paredes are going to continue at the pace that they have. Mm-hmm. You know, half of Rayleigh's fly balls have been home runs so far. Paredes's exit velocity and 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 batted ball, you know, metrics are are pretty underwhelming. Um, there's there's reason to expect a lot of these guys to kind of take a step back, but I think it just speaks to the player development department, the way that they can help improve almost any player they get their hands on, regardless of position and say, we, we recognize that you're good at these one or two things and, and maximize that value. Uh, the scouting, the evaluation, the, the Rays are just kind of, you know, at the top of the industry in so many areas that I think a lot of fans just, you know, especially casual fans don't necessarily pay attention to. There's, there's a reason they can somehow continually churn this out with minimal payroll and with a you know a front office and a coaching staff that it seems like are poached every single offseason, they lose a coach, they lose you know an assistant GM who gets hired somewhere else, and they just keep doing it. It, it really just speaks to the the organizational depth that the the Rays have. Um, I think there's a decent chance that they'll still be looking for a good left-handed hitter this uh, trade deadline season. Um, the nice thing about them is that it almost doesn't matter what position it's at because they have so many guys who can just move all over uh you know whether it's Paredes being able to play first second and third all of them pretty well Harold Ramirez can play the corners and first base Luke Rayleigh can play the corners and first base Jose Siri can play all three outfield positions you know I haven't even touched on Vidal Bruhan as one of their you know former top prospects one of the best prospects in baseball and he hasn't put it together yet but he can play all over the infield and outfield there's there's so much malleability with the roster that they have that they can really just focus in and say, OK, yeah, we need some help against right handed pitching. And I do think that will come, but they'll be able to cast a really wide net when they're looking for that help because the rest of their roster just inherently allows them to move so many pieces around. Malleability. That's a great word to describe this this raised team for me because they are that. It's just like they they just find a way to they, they are one unit, really. And, and it's. um really admirable the way they've, they've built their, their roster down there. I will say, when you look at the schedule so far, the three teams they have played are the Tigers, the Nationals, and the A's, which might be the three worst teams in the, in the, in the majors <laughs> by the, when it's all said and done. So, you know, it's going to get tougher for them. They've got the Red Sox uh, up next, and, and then they've got, I think, play the White Sox twice, the Astros and the Blue Jays uh, for the through the remainder of April, and, and maybe a series against the Reds in there as well. So, Look, the, the the schedule's got to get tough, but tougher. But but as you said earlier, they've got to bank the wins when when they can, and and they've done that. And and look, we look at the AL East, and it's going to be a competitive division. So to bank ten wins very early on there is 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 hugely critical for them. And you know, going into the season, they were kind of I, I think most people probably had them third in that division, behind probably the Blue Jays and the Yankees. Um, but even then, the the Red Sox and Orioles weren't necessarily that far behind. So. What the Rays have done over the first 10 games of the season I think is really impressive. And we touched on at the start the, the calling up of Taj Bradley, the, the top pitching prospect. Hugely exciting when a, a top prospect of any position gets called up for me. I love watching uh, 
the hyped up youngsters make their debuts and, and we've seen a few of them uh, in the past few weeks and it seems like we see a lot more than we used to with these new rules and the, the new collective bargaining agreement we saw the Orioles call up Grayson Rodriguez he had a very solid debut five innings five strikeouts a couple of earned runs uh, he looks like he belongs in the majors we've seen of course, Anthony Volpe, Jordan Walker, Oscar Colas, James Outman. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm missing a few as well from around the majors. But I feel like, Steve, we are seeing you know so many more of these top prospects get called up on opening day or if not, very soon after. And I feel like this new rule has worked. What do you think? Yeah, it does seem like teams are more willing to carry these young kids um, on the roster to begin the season or very early in the season the prospect promotion incentive program that uh, was implemented in the new collective bargaining agreement, you know, awards teams uh, with draft picks. If they, you know, have a a top 100 ranked prospect who opens the year in the majors and, and, you know, finishes well in in the rookie of the year voting. um, I also think it just kind of lessens the incentive to keep them down because if you're right about how good this player is, if you love your own, your your young player, he's going to get that. uh, He's going to get that year of service for winning rookie of the year anyway. So there's no real incentive to keep him down unless you're going to keep him down way into the summer to the point where you're then preventing him from factoring into the rookie of the year voting. And that's just counterintuitive. So uh, we've seen it this year with a lot of the guys that you mentioned, uh, Terang with the Brewers, you know, Gabriel Moreno in Arizona last year, we had Julio Rodriguez and Stephen Kwan uh, on opening day rosters. I think Adley Rutschman probably would have been if he hadn't had that injury in spring training, it's just really exciting, and I think uh, it, it gives fans more reason to be excited early in the season, especially if you're a fan of a rebuilding team and you don't have you know a lot to look forward to early in the year. You know, last year the Reds carrying Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo that gives fans right out of the gate something to get excited about, something to watch. I just think it's a good thing all around across baseball. It's good for the players. It's good for the fans, and it's it's kind of a win situation for a win win situation for everyone really. Yeah, I mean, and, and you take a guy like Jordan Walker at the Cardinals, and I, I don't think he's going to hit three forty two for the for the remainder of the season. But he's shown he can he can hit major league pitching. He's he's got a couple of home runs already. He's 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 doing really well. And as you say, you know, I've I've seen players get held back till June or, or midway through June uh, to to get past the Super Two cutoff as well. And you know, if a guy is able to hit like Jordan Walker has shown he can hit and you're holding him back for two and a half months and you're a team trying to win like the Cardinals are like that's a huge cost to pay for for your team in the current season so uh, I think it's fantastic for the game as you say it adds a lot of excitement and I think baseball in April needs that excitement as well um, it's great to have these young guys to follow um, and, and, it, and it's awesome to see them performing straight out of the gates as well like like Jordan Walker is um, Grayson Rodriguez as I touched on it a great start early on for him um, on Grayson Rodriguez really excited to see him get called up and, and, yeah. and a solid debut because for me that that Baltimore team needs you know an injection into that rotation to, to if they're sorted to to take the next step in that competitive AL East yeah absolutely and I think you know Rodriguez is super exciting to watch I, his his debut was was a lot of fun I try not to, I sound like I'm like raining on Orioles fans parade with, with, I try to like temper expectations with him, not because I don't think he's going to be good just because he had a low workload last year. You know, he pitched something like 75 innings between the the majors and the minors combined. He doesn't have a ton of upper minors experience yet. So I, I think the ceiling is, you know, the moon for the guy, but it's, I also, I feel bad trying to like 
pump the brakes sometimes on him because I think a lot of guys, a lot of Orioles fans, understandably so, you've been you know subjected to this four-year agonizing rebuild, and you want Rodriguez to come out the gate and just instantaneously be you know Justin Verlander or whoever, and and maybe that upside's in there, maybe it's not, but like it's it's pretty unlikely that he's just going to come out and hit that gear right out of the gate. You look in the National League, you like look at the the first season of Corbin Burns' career or the second season, I guess his first full season. Um, it's tough to hit that gear right away. So I, I'm very excited for Rodriguez. I think he's going to be a really good big league pitcher. I just get asked in, in chats uh, on the site from Oriole fans, you know, if, if he's going to be a Cy Young candidate, it's like, well, let's, let's slow down and just let him have a healthy season first. And then, you know, 2024, uh, let him really start ramping up and, and take it to that next level. I hope he hits the ground running. I love watching young guys come up and dominate. Uh, and I, I think he has that potential, but it's, I wouldn't necessarily bank all my hopes on it. No, it's so tough with pitches as well um, to really predict them. But it, it is exciting. I mean, Baltimore fans, it's been a long rebuild for them. They've they've had some very bad Definitely. teams over the past few years. And, and it feels like they are turning a corner. And, and you know, the, the performance of Adley Rutschman has been fantastic. And if Gunnar Henderson yeah. and, and, and Rodriguez can, can really take to the majors over the next year or two, I think this, this team's got the makings of a... A very exciting team, which will be very good for uh, Orioles fans. Well, one team, I guess, that we've always talked of as being uh, an exciting team that's not really delivered on that are the Angels out west. Um, you know, any team with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in them is, is always going to generate a fair bit of attention. And I like this Angels team quite a bit. But one of the comments I've, I've seen a little bit from Angels fans is concerns over their bullpen. So... Is this a team that's going to have a lot of promise and their bullpen is going to blow up for them? I understand the concerns. Um, they've had some some shaky performances from some veteran guys early in the season. I don't think it's cause for total panic. Um, I know Ryan Tapera and Aaron Loop have both had you know one terrible outing apiece. Uh, Matt Moore's allowed a run in two of his four outings, um, but... The rough outings look bad early, but there's no real velocity dips there. There's nothing like wildly concerning that makes you like wonder if these guys are, oh, you know, their their fastballs down two or three miles an hour or something like that. No major red flags like that. Um, you know, for all the concerns with the with how things have looked so far, they're I think seventh in 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 FIP from their bullpen. Uh, they're sixth in Sierra. They have the second best walk rate and, and the seventh best differential between their strikeout and walk rate of any bullpen in the majors. So. I think there's plenty of underlying numbers to say, you know, don't panic too much over the the early showing. Um, but I do think, you know, you look around the league as a whole, you see a lot of power arms everywhere. And, and the Angels are kind of lacking that at the big league level right now. Uh, they signed Carlos Estevez over the offseason, and he's really the only like real hard throwing, you know, power fastball guy in that bullpen for them right now. I think they hope that Ben Joyce, um, one of their recent draft picks, you know, who's you know infamously or notoriously uh, reached 105 miles an hour with his fastball, I think they hope that he can come up this year and kind of be that you know high octane power arm for them. But the command is going to be a big question mark for him. Uh, last year he faced 57 hitters in the minors and he walked four of them, which is really good. And this year he's faced seven hitters in the minors and walked four of them, which is bad. <laughs> so. Um, they might need to get some help from the farm or that could be an area that I feel like, yeah, they'll be looking for um, this summer provided everything else continues to hold up as it has. And, you know, I, I do agree with you. I've, I've written about it on the site before. I love their group of young lefties. Mm -hmm. I'm really big on Reed Detmers. I'm really big on Patrick Sandoval, especially. Um, I think they have the makings of a good rotation. The lineup is deep. 
deeper than it was. Um, the, the bullpen does look like one area this deadline season where, yeah, they, they might be looking for some help there. It is also tough um, in, the, in the bullpen, right? It's kind of like, you know, the goalie in soccer makes an error and it ends up in a goal. It's, it's you know, the mistakes from, from relief pitches are often magnified because they wind up costing a game. And so uh, they, they do end up being in the spotlight. But, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think it's, it's, it's like a lot of what happens early in the season. Um, outcomes which, you know, may happen in the middle of July in and amongst a very good season don't really get noticed as much as they do when they happen in the first few weeks of the season and, and they haven't you know these players haven't built up enough stock around that performance to get away with it so it is always going to be magnified when when you have uh, a few blown saves early in the season but I mean on the whole I really like this Angels side as you say and the tough thing is that division in the AL West is, is really competitive this year with the uh, the Astros obviously being the Astros and you know the Mariners will be expecting to to, to go even better than last year and, and the, the Rangers have, have have obviously spent a fair bit um, in the past few seasons to, to sort of bridge the gap and try and compete out there as well. So do you think this Angels side has enough as it, as it stands to, to compete out there? I, I think they do, you know, knock on wood, depending on health. Um, that's always the case for them. It seems like especially uh, it's, it's, a, it's a top-heavy team. There's no doubt about it, but like, and I've, I've, I've done this before in the past. They've, they've duped me and, and, and made me into a believer at when I've known better. And I feel like it's probably going to happen again this year, this year. But like I do after a couple of years of just being out on the angels um, this year, it's like, I'm, I'm back in, like, I really like Sandoval. I really like Detmers. The core of the group is good. Uh, and, and it's, it's a much better division than it was a few years ago. You're correct. But I, I think this angels team is also deeper and better, um, than it has been in a while. And so it, that the the big knock on them for a long time has been, well, they don't have any starting pitching and and now they do, they have, you know, at least four like pretty good starters and a lot of young guys who are, are big league ready. It's, it's a solid group um, for the first time in a few years. I'm back in on the angels. I think they can contend. Um, and I think it'll be exciting and fun to see. I think everybody wants to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in a pennant race and playing, you know, big, important games in September and into October. So with the global appeal that Otani has, like, you know, putting him in that postseason spotlight just gets more eyes on baseball. And that's just a great thing for the sport. Well, we're going to make a slight shift here and let the listeners direct the conversation. We invited you to submit questions via mlbtrpod at gmail.com and got a bundle of great questions so we've picked three to take a look at now. Uh, we'll start with Jordan, who asks, if there's a team that could be a surprise seller at the deadline and a player that could be surprisingly available, much like Juan Soto was last year. Steve, what do you reckon? I mean, I don't think... I, I, Soto becoming available is kind of a once in a... A once in a decade. I don't, I don't know how often you're going to see a player yeah. of that caliber um, become available especially when he has two and a half years of team control left uh, as far as potential surprise sellers. I, I think you just look in the central divisions, the the West and, and East divisions in both leagues are, are pretty deep and pretty stacked. I think the only path to the, the postseason for a lot of these central division teams is going to be winning the division. And so if any of the, the white Sox, the Brewers, the twins, um, you know, get out to that rough start, yeah, I think you could see, you know, some of those teams um, potentially put some guys in the market. I think with the early injuries they have, uh, the White Sox are, 
I guess that team for me. I don't necessarily think it's it's going to happen. Um, but if they were to to get to that point, they have some interesting potential free agents and Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn. Um, the more interesting call would be you know, Tim Anderson, uh, just because he's got the $14 million option for the 2024 season and it's his last year. Uh, but that's his last year on this contract. Um, but I don't I don't think that the White Sox, with all the work they've done in this rebuild, would would you know just pivot and, and jump right back into another one. Um, but if they're if these if the if the injuries they have already, you know, compound, they don't have a lot of depth. Um, and that's one team that I can see kind of having to make some tough calls and at least sell off some some short-term assets. And that's a team that you know uh, some people picked as a as a favorite in the division. The depth just isn't there for me to like them as a favorite. I love the top of the roster. Um, I love the top of the pitching staff. But I think if you start to run into some injuries, which they already have, uh, there's not a lot behind them in the farm. And I think it'll uh, it'll quickly level the playing field uh, in the central. And I think both the the Twins and the Guardians um, have more depth than they do. So. Sorry, White Sox fans, I guess. I don't think it's necessarily likely, but if I'm picking one team to end up in that spot, uh, I guess it can be it can be them. And in July, when they're in you know first place, you can all call me an idiot because uh, I'll deserve yeah. it. So. <laughs> Yeah, the other the other one I wonder about are the Cardinals. Uh, in some respect. I mean, and that seems like an easy thing to say when they're when they're off to a slow start this season. I still think they'll be they'll be good this year and they'll be in the playoff hunt. But I. I mean, I do wonder just because of when you look at their rotation and the number of guys they've they've got off contract at the end of the year. I do wonder if they sort of can't get out of this early slump and and they find themselves buried in the central and they're looking around and the wild card's even hard to get into because there's so much quality in the in the east and the west. Whether they might look to to sell off a couple of those expiring contracts uh in the rotation and just try and retool for next year i mean they're, they're in the same boat they're not going into a rebuild they've got nolan arenado and paul goldschmidt and, and a very good roster but i just wonder if the cardinals might be a team that you know if we get to the deadline and, and they're not quite there they, they might sort of take a chance to to retool a little bit yeah i think it kind of lines up with the we see things similarly it seems like the the central division is just the likeliest place uh where in either league where you're just going to have the division winner being the lone playoff team. Um, and I think whether that means it's the Cardinals or the Brewers or the, the two kind of top teams there um, in the national league, the Cubs to a lesser extent just doesn't have the the first half that they're, they're really banking on. Uh, I think that's the the situation that's going to put one of these kind of expected contenders uh, into a position where they have to make some tough calls. Um, and a lot of them have in the past shown that they're, you know, willing to do that. It's difficult, but you know that they'll that they'll make that that decision. All right, Junior asks about the Giants and Gary Sanchez, and says that the Giants need a sort of intimidating force in the middle of their lineup, and wonders whether Gary Sanchez can be that for San Francisco. Uh I think it's been a while since he's been that for anyone. Uh, he had a decent season with the twins last year. Um, but a lot of that was because he improved his defense there. His bat wasn't really near what it was at his peak with the Yankees. Um, I don't think the giants put a $4 million base salary on his minor league deal because they see him as potentially being in the plans. Um, but I, I would, you know, temper my expectations with it. 
he's going to uh, a, what would be the biggest park of his career if he if he does get called up in, in San Francisco. Uh, he didn't have a spring training. He's played in two AAA games so far. So if they're going to do it, it's not going to be immediately here. Um, and I just don't know that there's enough that he's shown in recent seasons to prove that he can be that uh, that kind of spark and that, that force in the middle of their lineup. The power, the raw power is certainly there. Um, but he's somebody whose recent production doesn't really line up with the the prospect pedigree that he carried and with the the, the big success that he had um, early in his career. Yeah, I, I think it's it's very easy to get in with these former you know top young prospects and 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 sort of dream on them and and continue to dream on them even though they've 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 given you kind of a pretty good sample size of what they probably are um, moving forward and, and you look at Sanchez and and you look at the last three years and the the WRC plus is, is ninety so you know below the league average and. You know, going back to even 2018, there's only one season above that, and that was 2019. And you know, I don't want to write that season off completely, but that was a, a you know, as we know, a good, a good season for for a lot of uh, hitters with the the ball use during that season. So, I, I mean, you know, he's what uh, 30 now, it's Gary Sanchez. Yep, 30. Um, you, you you've kind of got to wonder if, if this is just what he is now. He's a guy that'll you know hit 200, get on base, maybe 280 to 300. He might give you, you know, twenty home runs a season if you if you give him enough at bats. But I just don't think he's a he's a needle mover for for this Giants side. And I think, you know, where the Giants are at the moment, I think they're better served just trying to to get more out of Joey Barton and seeing if they can uh, tap into something there. Because I think there's a greater chance of of them, you know, extracting Joey Bart's potential than than, than getting Gary Sanchez back to a, a 2016 2017 version of himself in in 2023. So. Yeah, I I think Sanchez basically is what he is at this point. All right, sticking with catches, James asks, do you think Francisco Alvarez will force Mets manager Buck Showalter to play him, or do you think the Mets will pick up another catcher and send Alvarez back to AAA? You know, I don't I don't know that there's another catcher for them to pick up. So uh, it's, it, there's there's no impact bat. Um, out there. And I don't know that uh, it would be a great fit for them. Even if there was, they, they have Omar Narvaez signed. Uh, he's, he's guaranteed his salary in, in, uh, in 2024, unless he, you know, declines the player option on his deal. Um, they're still paying James McCann to play in Baltimore. Uh, they have Alvarez, they have Tomas Nito adding another catcher to me right now, just even if there was one, I don't know if it's a great fit. Um you know, Sanchez was out there and the Mets could have gone that route, but he has the the $4 million base salary on his, his deal with the Giants, like I mentioned. And, you know, for the Mets, add the 90%, you know, luxury tax to that if, if he makes the, the roster. That's an expensive flyer to take, rolling the dice on somebody who hasn't been that great over the past several years. Um, I wouldn't rule out, you know, the Mets adding some catching depth just because, you know, if, if, if Alvarez or if Nito gets hurt, then things really look shaky, but that might just come in the form of somebody they can stash in AAA as kind of a non-roster guy. And then maybe bring him up if Alvarez is just really struggling and they say, okay, we want to get Alvarez's bat going in AAA and really just focus on, on defense behind the plate. But you know, the, the best case scenario is just Alvarez gets semi-regular playing time and, and hits his way into, into, into the lineup and hits his way into kind of forcing them to make a decision when Narvaez comes back and, and I think at least offensively, he's he's ready to do that. 
Yeah, and, and, and the beauty of a guy like Alvarez as well, I think, is that if he does do that, they can quite easily carry him, Nito, and Omar Navarez, uh, Navarez on, on the roster. I, there's no reason why they can't keep him there and, and, and cycle him through the DH spot. And so, again, you know, we've talked on this podcast today about, you know, these young guys coming up and performing so and, and how much excitement it brings. So uh, very excited to, to see him come in there and uh, hopefully he can he can hit well for them. Yeah, I think that's that's been the, the pedigree on him for a long time. It's just been he's going to hit, and you just hope that hit the defense catches up uh, enough. And based on you know what he's done in the minor leagues so far, it's it's exciting to see him have the chance early in the season. Um, the the bat has a good chance of of playing right out of the gate. Uh, so put him in the lineup, Buck. That's what I say. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I do think it's 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 almost a little bit of a blessing in disguise because he sort of comes up with a, I think a little bit less pressure on him. Um, you know, you, for starters, you've got a very good Mets lineup there, um, so he doesn't need to mm-hmm. to go in necessarily and, 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 and carry the lineup. But, but also, you know, you know, there's there's this sort of six week audition potentially, and, and I think there's a lot less pressure than if they just called him up and said he's he's our guy moving forward yeah. um and basically said you know you've got the keys to the catching position and, and you know well you never want to see a player go down hurt and, and and get injured i think this is kind of the best way for alvarez to come up yeah it's, it's a really good point um if they had just signed nobody the offseason and, and traded you know james mccann and said okay here you go alvarez like this is your time francisco and we want to win 105 games this year and go to yeah. the playoffs and go to the World Series. That's a lot of pressure to put on. I think he's 21, 22, 21-year-old kid. Yeah. Like that's, that's a lot of pressure to put on him. So it's, it's again, yeah, it feels crappy to, to Narvaez to say that, you know, like, oh, it's a great situation that for, for Alvarez mm-hmm. that he got hurt. But it is it is a nice way to ease him um, into the majors and, and kind of into this hopefully, you know, starring role for them. Well, Steve, I remember when I was 21, and I certainly wasn't in a position to to lead any franchise to to 105 wins. So, um, you yeah. and me both. Yeah. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. Thanks, Simon. Steve Adams, MLB Trade Rumors writer, joining me on the show this week. That's all we've got time for. Uh, really enjoyed diving into all the storylines from around baseball as we get deeper into the season. I'm sure these uh, storylines are going to get more and more interesting. Make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. We'll be back in a week's time, but if that's too long to wait, you can sign up for Cliff Corcoran's daily MLB Trade Rumors newsletter. It's completely free and arrives in your inbox each weekday morning. You'll find that at mlbtraderumors.com forward slash newsletter. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week on the MLB Trade Rumors podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Remember to visit mlbtraderumors.com and follow us on Twitter at MLB Trade Rumors. 